Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I'm here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, and we got another guest on the line today, ladies and gentlemen. He is my guy. He is my friend. He's a big bro to me. He is my former radio co-host and the current host of The Bridge, which airs on NBC Sports Northwest, which also happens to be the official broadcast home of the Portland Trailblazers. Justin Myers, man. No need to introduce you too, too much. You've been here before. You're back again. Welcome back to the Wake Up and Win podcast, my man. What is happening? I'm so happy to be back on the podcast. Uh, I heard you and Fentress a couple of weeks ago were, were talking about me. My ears perked up. The, the <laughs> podcast world, uh, you know, you know, just started buzzing. And I'm like, I, so I text you. I said, I got to get back. I got to get yeah. back on the pod. I get, you know, too many hot takes from Fentress without me being able to, to interrupt. And so, of course, when we decide to do this, maybe the most, I, I'm trying to think of the right adjective. In my head, I keep saying the craziest week of sports, but it seems like it's almost above that. Yeah. We are in unprecedented territory <laughs> in the world of sports. And, and listen, Maybe just I, I, in the world. How about just the well, world? <laughs> the, the world, yes. But it seemed as though for a while that sports were kind of our new normal, right? Our, our, new, our, our return a little bit to normalcy because we all are going to deal with, with COVID. We're going to deal with the, the protesting that's been going on in Portland. And, and of course, throughout the country and, and just trying to deal with, like you mentioned, the unprecedented time in the world. But we got a couple of hours in the last couple of months to sit down, watch some sports, yeah. maybe get maybe get off of social media a little bit and then maybe check back in. And who, who, a, who's getting off of social media? You? Well, I, I have to for like for a couple of hours. OK, <laughs> just a couple hours a day. <laughs> a couple That's hours it. And then you just the other 22, you all in it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the funny thing it's a quick aside but that's not gonna be the only time of course i'm gonna do this throughout this, this whole broadcast right but back if we remember in this crazy time back in january new year's day i made my new year's resolution for 2020 was i was going to be positive only on social media I was, I was tired. I was tired of just getting in Twitter fights. I was tired of getting upset. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let all the people who are, who are mad, you guys just yell into the universe. I'm going to be positive only. And it was great for a couple months. And man, it has been trying <laughs> these last four, five months. Well, check this out, man. Don't, and idiocy. don't be positive on here if you don't feel positive. I don't want well, this, I don't this, want this the new positive, media, so. the new and improved Justin Myers. I want the I want the old <laughs> hot take, positive, negative, it doesn't matter. He's gonna give me what he's got. I want that Justin Myers today. Well, well this isn't social media. So therefore I wouldn't be breaking my uh, I wouldn't be breaking my resolution. But you know, you and I, we're gonna sit here. We're gonna talk. You know, hot takes are gonna come are gonna come out. It, just, Hello. it, it, it has to happen. So, it is your show. It is your podcast. I, I I now defer to you. I'm excited over all the stuff we get to talk about. You just made it your show real quick and right away, Justin. <laughs> all I said was, "Welcome to the podcast." <laughs> But, 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 I know, man, I know, man, it's all good. Don't worry about it. We're here for it, and that's why we have you here. But I had to make it a little bit of a reunion feel today, man. I had to bring on our guy, our former show producer, and the host of the new 
podcast, the new hit podcast, The Tequila Experience. Alex Moore, ladies and gentlemen, has joined us here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. Alex, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? How's it, how's it going? Good to see you. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Hot takes. What on. is going on? <laughs> Look at this. Alex, Alex Moore, the guy who decided that he wanted to get everybody drunk and then record them. Yes. I mean. <laughs> that guy. That guy. In 2020. <laughs> All right. They're the ones who agreed to it. I just asked. No, okay. I, I, I have multiple questions because I saw this pop up the other day. Did you get them to agree before they had their first hit of tequila or was this a couple of drinks in and said, fine, slap a microphone on me. That sounds like a great idea. So, I mean, I worked on the, the idea for the party for like six months, um, to be honest with you. So I was going through brainstorming sessions with everyone, making sure everyone was safe with the, you know, was comfortable with the idea, um, telling them everything that I was going to do. Originally, I was just going to put mics all around the apartment, but then I ended up buying lapel mics so everyone could wear microphones the whole night. And, you know, they just went with it. And honestly, there were a lot of people who were uncomfortable with it to start, but also my friends are the kind of people we're like, oh yeah, uh, you're throwing a party. I will be there. Plus, I bought all the alcohol for the night, so no one had to pay for any alcohol to make sure you know a good trade off for wearing a microphone. And you're a great friend. I would have told everybody, BYOB, bring your own bottle. <laughs> well, I, covered the, I covered the booze and I covered the mic. So hey, that that's a good deal, man. That's a good deal. I tried to get Bobby Bean on. I went for it. I went for the grand slam. Right now, oh. we, we're at a triple. We got we got a nice trifecta going on here with S3. I text Bobby Bean. He did respond. He let me know that he had to work during this time, so he wasn't going oh. to be able to join the reunion. But he, obviously, you know, he he sent his good words to all of us. And we all got to try to connect. I'm glad he man, responded. He did respond. Bobby I'm glad he Bean. responded. The, the mysterious Bobby Bean <laughs> Absolutely. goes away for months at a time. No idea where he has been. I have... No social media, no nothing. I, 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 I text a number that I had from three years ago, just hoping that the message would still be blue, and it was. And so he, he, he reached back to me, and we had a nice little conversation, man. So couldn't get him to get on here, so I guess he's still mysterious. I tried to kind of break the mystique there, but it uh, didn't quite work out. But he's working. He's doing well. All is good on Bobby Bean's end. Good. Dynamite drop in, Alex. <laughs> Let's get to it then, man. Let's get straight into this content because uh, a whole lot is going on. Justin, you already acknowledged the unprecedented <clears throat> week it's been in sports. And yesterday when I reached out to you, I said, hey, Justin, man, let's hop on the Wake Up and Win podcast. What do you want to talk about? Of course, Justin Myers wants to talk about college football. And we will. We will get to college football. <laughs> Believe you me, we'll get there. But then about an hour or so after that happens, um, the, Will the Milwaukee Bucks decide, hey, we want to do something that's never been done before, and we want to boycott this playoff game five against the Orlando Magic. It spread like a wildfire. The entire league ended up boycotting yesterday. Um, I don't even know. I'm just getting off of work and hopping straight into the booth. Is there any games happening right now? I don't think so. No, so Today's all, games the, games, all well. the games today have been postponed. They're going to continue, I believe, with meetings as, as we are taping this on Thursday afternoon. And I think they're going to try to get back to playing games on Friday 
or Saturday. So it's it's still I still think there's there's some negotiate negotiating going on, but uh, as of right now, no games uh, being played today. And there's I saw four baseball games that have already been uh, postponed, postponed today as well. Solid, solid, good to know. Now I got to start off because I was one of the people when they were talking about NBA players boycotting before they even got to the bubble. You had obviously Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard who were outspoken about it. Stephen Jackson, who's a former NBA player, um, his friend was actually George Floyd. So he was very outspoken about it. And I came on here and I took a strong stance against boycotting this season coming into the season. And now that we're seeing a boycott midway into this restart, now that we're in the playoffs, a lot of those people that took that, that stance that the NBA should have boycotted before, they're no longer being nice to the people that criticized that take and that were not with the NBA players boycotting before the return. So they're letting us have it. Oh, you need to apologize to Kyrie. Oh, all you people thought you knew what you were talking about then, and now we ended up being right. Yada, yada, this, yada, yada, that. And I'm here for it to an extent. Like, I get it. They, they feel like their point has been proven later than it should have been, and they could be potentially right. But I still stand on what I said back then in regards to the NBA not being boycotted before this because, for one, I think them boycotting during a restart while the NBA playoffs are going is a much stronger stance than it would have been beforehand where everybody's communicating through text and Zoom and Instagram and social media and you got takes and stances all over the place. They are all in the same bubble right now. And it seemed to me that, like yesterday when they decided to boycott, it had more of a feel of like a united front. It didn't have a feel of this click over here wants to play, this other click doesn't want to play, this other click doesn't really care, another click over there is kind of stuck in the middle. It didn't feel like any of that. It felt like a united thing. So to see that ripple out into other sports as well, I think it was much more powerful that they did return. And now that they're here, they decide to boycott midway through the season because of obviously um, the nastiness of the shooting of Jacob Blake out in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I was also happy to see that the Bucks were the team to lead the charge, being that they're from the state of Wisconsin <laughs> and everybody else decided to follow. Justin and Alex, what are y'all feelings during this time right now as we've never seen anything like this before? Well, going back to what you were saying, I, I'm, I, I I agree with you, Devon. Is just if let's say the NBA players would have followed what Kyrie Irving wanted to do, and and again, not saying that he's right or he's wrong. This is how he decided that that he felt that the league should take a stand with what was going on at the time, and it felt for him inappropriate to be playing basketball. But they came back. If they would have boycotted, what would have happened then? It would have been, I think, a huge news story for about two, three days. Yeah. But, but baseball was coming back. Uh, soccer was coming back. See, Alex, I dropped soccer in there for you. Uh, uh, you know, golf it, it was back at the time. Sports were coming back. NFL was starting training camp. And then in the sports world, we would have just, I think, found something else to watch because there was no NBA. The fact that it started and then this happened in the middle of the playoffs, I think has 10 times more weight than if they would have never have gone. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, that, that's the one thing you're talking about. Well, Kyrie was right. Well, not necessarily, 
Um, but the other thing is with the Milwaukee Bucks, right now, looking back, it seems like it was the right thing to do. But the, the courage to be able to do that, keep in mind, they didn't know, from what I understand, and they didn't communicate to any other teams. They did this organically as a team. They didn't yeah. know that the Magic were just going to not accept a forfeit. Because at the time, of 24 hours ago, it was a forfeit. They were, and they were going to give up a game in the playoffs, which would have made it a 3-2 series. And they're one of the favorites in the East to go to the finals. Not that that matters in the big picture, but this is what they were risking. They didn't know the rest of the teams were then going to continue to follow suit. So the idea that the Milwaukee Bucks kind of put their season on the line for this, I mean, that's as courageous as it gets. Yeah, one thing that, you know, I've been just watching this whole thing and hearing everything that's coming out, and I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of people talking about what the NBA players should do or how they should do it. There is no one in this world who's in the position to tell them what to do. They can absolutely, you know, go, and just to make sure, this is not a boycott. This is a strike, right? These are players that are not going to work. So this is a strike, not a boycott. A boycott is when you refuse to buy something because you don't like someone, right? So this is a strike. I mean, te- technically, is it, isn't it, wouldn't we call this a, this is a walkout, right? Because the strike is sure. something against management. And I don't, uh, this isn't yeah. them protesting management. It seems like it was, it was a walkout. Kind of though, right? I mean, they're saying that they want, I mean, potentially they're saying they want their owners to do more. So either sure. way, that's a debate over words, but. I'm just so tick, sick and tired of people telling NBA players or whoever how they, should, how they should react to this. Nobody is in a position to tell anybody how to react to what's going on right now. In the world, things are, things are going absolutely so terribly, and we're seeing this stuff day after day. It keeps happening. It keeps happening. And then some people, uh, talking heads, go on the news, and they tell NBA players how they should act. You know, whether or not how they want to do this is up to them. And, you know, if they think that this is the more powerful way to do it, which I think it absolutely has been in the doing it in the playoffs, go for it. Absolutely. No one's in any place to tell them to come back. No one's in any place to tell them that they should, they shouldn't play. You know, they need to keep doing their meetings. They need to keep talking and they need to figure it out on their own. So, you know, I don't think anyone's in a place to tell them how they should act right now. Yeah, most definitely. And, and I, like you said, even if they do decide to play, I don't think nobody should be able to tell them whether to take a knee or not. Nobody should be able to tell them whether they want to protest or not. Nobody should be able to tell them where, they're, where they stand, regardless of what side of the fence they're on, what side of the fence you're on, whether it's the same side or polar opposite sides. But I think that even goes into that initial talk about them returning initially from an economic standpoint, Justin, you might be able to help me here with this because these guys are contractually obligated to whatever their contract obviously says, but then you have league and team obligations to different entities such as broadcast entities with Justin, obviously you working Mm -hmm. at NBC sports Mm -hmm. Northwest, the NBA is contractually obligated to your place of employment. So to tell these guys whether they should go back and not play from an economic standpoint as well, or just simply because going back to playing basketball brings them joy. It makes them feel good and a terribly shitty time that we're in right now. I don't think on any end that nobody should be able to dictate what they're doing, even if you agree with what they're doing or not. But I want to speak to more so the economic aspect, Justin. Mm -hmm. Had they not returned to playing the NBA, 
What would that have meant for NBC Sports Northwest, and how could that have had sort of a trickle-down effect to the players, essentially? Well, the actual dollars and cents, I don't know. They, they, they don't tell me. And by the way, before I get into this. That's I'm good to know, too. I, that's good to know, too. <laughs> tell me more, please. <laughs> we, look, we all know that. We worked in radio together. They didn't tell us anything. The you listeners know, don't, the though. Money. They need to hear it. <laughs> yeah. But um, also, I'm very excited. So we get to swear on this podcast. Absolutely. So, so I'm very pumped. I've been able to swear on a podcast in like three years give so it your all man about that it's it's gonna come at some point in time but let, let, let's talk about the the money a little bit because here's what you have to realize the players actually have the most uh f- financially are the most secure because the nba had to make this deal for them to come into the bubble um and and give them this clause that they were going to get paid x amount percentage of their salary for the regular season and they could leave the bubble at any time because obviously with family stuff with with covid still out there they and and you can't trap these guys and make them stay so the players financially i think are good which is why i think the nba and more importantly espn and tnt were probably freaking out yesterday because the players are going to get paid. They've already yeah, been paid. But, but but even with that, with the players being paid, that would not have been the case if they decided to strike, boycott, walk out, you name it, before games actually took place, right? But but they but no, they've already been paid. I think guaranteed they got guaranteed contract. Okay. 70% of the of the salary for this year, they've already been they're going to be paid that. Playoffs, you don't get paid extra on your contract. You get a playoff Bonuses, bonus and it right. depends Bonuses are there, but there's nowhere close to where their contracts were. So the fact that the regular season was over, players financially, I think, were secure. So economically, this was on the league and on the the networks and uh-huh. and, and and the deal that they had because these this is why the NBA put everybody back into a bubble because playoff revenue for the league is huge playoff tv revenue is huge so they needed to get these games going and and have cameras there and have these games on tv so the league didn't lose tens of millions of dollars got you got you now like i said i want to get to where we are now though because obviously they're still out they're not playing just yet as you mentioned earlier they'll probably be playing tomorrow when this episode releases we'll see playoffs coming back um how do you feel about them justin in particular deciding to go back and play obviously no alex you said that however things play out nobody should be able to say anything to that do you feel like this was i don't i don't want to say a strong enough stance but are you okay with this stance of them walking out for a couple of days and then coming back and playing right away again? Do you feel like maybe in your gut they should extend this thing out a little bit further? How do you feel on that? I'm going to make a weird sports analogy, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but you guys both know I make weird sports analogies for everything. <laughs> yeah. So you knew it was, it was coming. Yeah, I we're here for it. There are social issues that are at play here that are bigger than sports. If I'm make a sports analogy, playing sports growing up, and then you get into high school. There's always and and you you know that when you you're going to have one of those practices where they're just going to run you into the dirt, right? And everybody who's ever been an athlete just wonders, what if we all say no? Like what what if you go to practice and your coach is like, we are going to run today. You guys are 
we played like you know we played sugar like honey i see shit said it's it's good yeah. you're on a podcast <laughs> exactly <laughs> played like shit last night i'm gonna run i'm gonna run you guys you know uh, until i'm tired and you get this idea of like what if we all just say no like you can't you can't have a team you can't coach if we all just say no but obviously it never comes to that the nba for the first time in its history the players all said no we're not going to play we don't have to play we are going to shut it down so them coming back i think with the knowledge and i think more so the leverage and the power of you know what if if things don't progress we have the power. The NBA has lots of money, lots of influence. They can, you know, punish us, fine us, whatever. But you can't show a game without us on the floor. So I think them coming back, they've got kind of the, the trump card, the ace up their sleeve, knowing that if this isn't the way we have laid it out to you, and I think they should probably put some specifics out there, but if it's not, we can always take it back. And now – these owners, the league, these networks all know at any time, these guys, especially being in a bubble where everybody is there, yeah. and they can all talk and, and essentially unionize, which is what they did. It could all be over at, the, at a moment's notice. So I, I think it's, it's a, they, they have a stronger stance, even though they're coming back to play. Yeah, what, what Jalen Brown said, I think, is, is really on point on all this. And he came out and said, you know, what are we going to do if we just completely stop playing and the season's over? What? Are we going to go home because we miss our families? Or are we going to go home and go march on the streets and go help this movement even more? You know, so I think the biggest thing that the NBA players have to have is a plan. You know, so if they had a plan of what they were going to do in action after this, then go ahead and do it. End the season. But it sounds like, you know, they're kind of unsure of what's going on right now, which is totally fair. Everybody is. And they're not exactly sure what the next step is. So... I think you made a huge statement by postponing games. Everybody was talking about it. You know, it was the biggest thing on the news. You brought a whole bunch of attention to an issue, which was the whole point of this. And then you go back and play and you continue to make the statements that you were playing. So you need to have a plan, you know, going in action. And clearly they don't right now, which is, which is not a bad thing. But Yeah. Well, Pounce, let me ask you this. Because yeah. you, of, of all of us, you work kind of in politics. I, I see you, on, you know, behind a podium with nice shirts on and stuff, <laughs> and you know, you're, ta- you're, you're talking to senators and, and, yes, and all this. If, if you were advising the NBA players, because the, the, the emotions are high right now, you know the influence, you know financially what has to, what would you advise, not telling them how to yeah. protest, or, but what would you say, listen, listen guys, we've got this moment, what would you say it should be step number two for them? I think, as I mentioned earlier, you're stronger together. So when it comes to having a united front, I think that it really can make a lot of noise. Obviously, we know all the statements, strength in numbers, if we're talking about the Golden State Warriors, all that good stuff. I think, you know, being able to come together and unite is the best way to go, if at all possible. But in the case that it's not possible, encourage and support each and every person for whatever their particular decision is in regards to what they want to do next. Because if you start to make it a game where you got one side bickering with the other side, that in itself, I think, becomes a distraction. But if you have a situation where one person decides to leave the bubble, 
everybody support him and commend him for wanting to leave the bubble and do whatever he feels is necessary next to continue to strengthen this movement. Another guy wants to stay and play, let him stay and play. Because I'll be honest with you, even as a black man myself in America during these times where we're normalizing watching black civilians be killed by police officers, whether it be with a knee in their neck, whether it be with seven gunshots to the back, you name it, that's starting to become normal. We're also in the middle of a pandemic where black people are disproportionately affected by this global pandemic. There's a lot of cards stacked against us right now is ultimately what I'm getting at. So with all those cards being stacked against us, I want us to be in a place where we can feel as free as absolutely possible, even if that means going and playing a basketball game again after making this statement and not wanting to leave the bubble. And for me as a fan, for me as somebody who covers basketball, obviously, to an extent and talks about it here, certainly on my podcast, I'll be honest with you, I've gotten great joy out of watching Damian Lillard go for 51 and then 61 amidst all these things where I mentioned these cards are stacked against us. I've gotten great joy out of watching Devin Booker go out there and go 8-0 and, and compete at the highest levels. I've gotten great joy, and I don't think I only speak for myself, out of watching the Lakers and them coming back and playing elite basketball. Hell, the first night when you had the Lakers and the Clippers come back and play an insanely competitive game. I've gotten great joy out of that in a time that just isn't so joyful for me and my people. So with that being said, I want people to find joy anywhere they can, especially black people in particular, because there's more than enough stacked against us right now to where we can go down in a, in a downward spiral, essentially, when it comes to a lot of this negativity, never agree to anything. And then we're just worsening our mental state. We're worsening the trauma that we're already dealing with. So for me, like I said, if you all can unite on everything, cool. I loved what they did yesterday. I thought they united for the most part, making that happen. It felt like they were united. Now we're in a situation where maybe not so much. Okay, that's fine. Well, you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. and You do what you want to do. Because essentially, I want all of us to find whatever joy we can in this particular moment, even if that means fighting the fight um, away from the bubble rather than us sit here and just add and pile on to a lot of the negativity and the trauma that we're already dealing with. So that's how I feel on that front. Now that my sermon is over, let's take it to college football because Justin Myers, it's a lot of shit going on there as well. Really, it's so much, I don't even know where to start. Okay, let's start with the Pac-12. I do know where to start. Let's start with the Pac-12 okay. because... We're here. We're in the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. You've covered the Ducks for how many years now? Um, Don't even remember. Exactly. 04. Long 04 enough. Was the first, <laughs> 16, 16 seasons. 16 so I'd rather start here where, where we're at and then let it kind of widespread because yeah. we are certainly going to get to the point in the conversation where we have our age-old debate of, do you now think college athletes get, can, uh, should be getting paid? But we'll get there. Just talk to me about the Pac-12 for right now, and we'll get to the whole uh, <laughs> payment issue a little bit later on. Yeah, well, the Pac-12 is Pac kind of a mess right now. And I, I don't think half of it's their fault. Half of it is unforeseen circumstances, right? Here's the Pac-12 is a great, I, I think, example of kind of what's going on in all of college football. But the conference overextended itself, expecting 
that the money that was normally going to be coming in was always going to be coming in and they overextended themselves in in terms of payment of of higher ups in terms of uh, facilities that they decided to put the home office in downtown San Francisco crazy. and and it's just, it's just cra- but they're, they're they're a mess right now financially because they're all banking on the football money automatically coming in it's not coming in this year they're not just- coming in and so half of it's their fault because you can't bank, you can't, you know, have your budget set up to where the, you feel like this money is always guaranteed. Right. The other half is, look, the state of California wasn't going to let this happen. Schools weren't going to have students back on campus. I've, I, for one, and, and this will get into the, the paying players thing, I'm sure, in, in a little bit. But to me, this is the part where, as a college football fan, you, we all know there's kind of these cockroaches under the rug, but we keep this rug down, yeah. okay, for a reason. And I think what what the pandemic has done is just ripped the rug open, and all of these cockroaches are kind of now scattering because the idea of college football players going back to campus when schools are saying it's not safe for general students throws a huge bomb in the middle of this, no, these are student athletes, which we all kind of knew wasn't true, but it was the thing we all told ourselves so that we could continue to have sports the way we like it. But this is, like I said, ripped open the, the rug and you see all the mess that's underneath because how can you say these guys are the same as, as students, this is an extracurricular activity, but they have to come back to keep their scholarship. But regular students can, you know, can learn over the internet. That it, that's the problem. But yeah. all, all that being said, yes, football-wise, if the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 play a season of college football, the Pac-12, is, which is already fifth in the race of the Power Five, goes further and further back because it's going to be used against them in recruiting. It's going to be used against them in terms of revenue. Uh, Those three conferences will get millions of dollars from their games being on TV, whereas the Pac-12 won't have them. And you thought it was already, you know, they were already behind the eight ball. From a football standpoint and from a clout standpoint, if this season goes off with those three conferences playing and the Pac-12 doesn't play, it's, it's trouble. It's big trouble for the conference. Alex, what do you think about that? Because obviously we're now having a conversation of the conference having trouble more so on the field and obviously obviously through all of its technicalities, but we're also still in the middle of a global pandemic. So Alex, how do you feel sort of about where things stand for the Pac-12? Or is there even a potential way where the Pac-12 can end up looking good in all of this because these other three conferences are going to play football and the Pac-12 stays, quote-unquote, safe, and then something goes haywire amongst those other three conferences. You know, that's what I thought at first. Like, the Pac-12 was the, was the first big conference to say the no season, right? And I was like, oh, wow, that's so progressive. This is exciting. Good for them. They shouldn't be playing football right now. Um, but then just hearing Justin talk about everything else that's going on, wow, I mean, huge problems with everything that's happening. I can't believe the stuff with the headquarters in San Francisco. That's insane. Total mismanagement of financial, of everything financial. Um, man, they are in a lot of trouble. 
it's 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 crazy to 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 think about you know if college football season goes on and the Pac-12 doesn't play I mean that is a that's a big issue but I think you're right Pounce I think you're on to something if we see you know mass numbers of of coronavirus infections in other in other parts of college football and then they end up having to shut down their seasons then all of a sudden the Pac-12 does look good I don't know how much that necessarily helps them because they're still missing all of that money. Yeah. Uh, so it maybe isn't even a good thing in that way because, um, you know, even if they look good in the news, I don't think it helps them anywhere else. Um, so I don't know, man. It seems like a complete mess to me. So it all comes down to the almighty dollar, even amongst the global pandemic, for the Pac-12 at least. Well, it's for everybody, Pounds. Everywhere. It- I think it's for everyone. I mean, listen, we, we can talk about the how this country and we've all learned, and I think in the in the response to one COVID and, and two in terms of protests and, and kind of the response to basketball fans, that there are obviously different parts of this country that are may as well be in a in a different world than, yeah. than the way we live in Portland, Oregon. Um, yeah, I'm sure you guys have all gotten texts from people who live in other parts of the country who are like, What is it like living in a war zone? And I'm like, I live less yeah. than a mile from the protests. I sleep with my window open. I, we're good. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> I, yeah. We, we, still, we still go brunch hard, you know? Yeah. Still, yeah. So, I, I talked but, about but, that with Joel's Boykoff on here fairly recently. So, so, I mean, we all know that there are different parts of the country, but it's not like the SEC is trying to play football for the culture of the South, which they're going to try to kind of sell. They're doing it because they want to get on TV and they'll have the only, and they will be one of three conferences on TV. They'll be by far the best and they'll be able to bring in ad revenue. This, this is the only reason those conferences want to play is not for a sense of normalcy is not to, to help heal the world who has been in, in quarantine. No, they want the cash that goes along with it. That's it. Now, now, I can speak to myself because I feel like in a lot of ways, like some good things have actually happened for me during the pandemic professionally. I've started a whole new podcast for my job. I, I, I got, I'm now the vendor program director at Street Roots, no longer just a manager. So I'm kind of big time a little bit, you know, and this is all took place during the pandemic. But um, with that being said, I'm not against the theory or the notion that somebody can't use this pandemic to actually elevate themselves. I'm not that type of person. I just cannot do it and I will not do it. But not to play the race card again, but also to play the race card again, I'm also looking at the athletes. I'm always going to speak to and for the athletes. We know that football happens to be a Black-dominated sport, and we know that these athletes are going to go out there and put themselves (laughs) at risk to catch a, 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 a disease um, and COVID-19 that could take them out. It can be a career-ending disease. It could be a life-ending disease and so on and so forth. Obviously, it can spread out. It has so much impact on them as the players in particular. So now, this is where we get to, should the players get paid now that they're in a pandemic and putting themselves at risk for an entity like the SEC or the Big 12 that is essentially in this for the almighty dollar. Should they have to kick something down to these athletes that are taking the risk that they're taking because this could be life-ending, career-ending, and so many other things to them. And it's obviously and insanely 
touchy-feely, contact-having sport. What do you feel about these conferences maybe needing to kick something down to the players for taking the risk that they're playing going out there and playing football? I'll let Alex go first because I, I, I'm, I'm going to go off here in a little bit. But go ahead, Alex. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, in a perfect world, I would hope that like college football athletes should be getting paid for doing this. They're taking huge risks um, and all that stuff. But I mean, I, I know what's going to be said. And I think we all know what's going to be said is no, absolutely not. They're not going to pay them. I mean, they're already in financially in trouble, just like the rest of the world is. They're not going to spend extra dollars on athletes. And they're going to keep saying the same things, you know, that they've been saying. They're giving them an opportunity to do this. And that's what the, their payment is. And, you know, why why would they change now? They're not going to change now. They weren't going to change a year ago when there wasn't a pandemic. They're not going to change now when they have less money. So they're not going to get paid. Of course, I wish they would. But, no, they're not going to get paid. Shockingly, I wholeheartedly disagree. I don't believe they should get paid. I, I believe that this is a, a fair deal. But I will add a, a caveat, though. This is the problem that I talked about right at the beginning, because I still think I think that college athletes shouldn't be paid because if you do, there is a mountain of other unintended consequences that come along with it that pounce. You and I have talked about, Alex, you and I have argued about. And when we used to have a, a cubicle next to one another, it, it, there, there's a, a mountain. It, to me, it's, it's like it, it, it sounds easy to say these athletes should be paid. But the, the plan behind it, just it, the numbers don't add up. There's a whole lot of unintended consequences. To be perfectly honest, there's only about, I would say, 10% of the athletes that are actually probably, if you factor in a scholarship, which some people don't count, but if you factor in a scholarship, are probably being paid less than market value. Look, there's a lot of backup running backs who aren't going to see any professional football who are still getting a scholarship to, to play to play football and they're probably making about market value on what they would make as a professional football player. Regardless, here's the problem. Like I said, the PAC 12, I think in terms of keeping amateurism as loose of a term as it is, <laughs> is, 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 is in a, in the right spot. If regular students aren't on campus, the football players should not be on campus either. If it's not safe for regular students, then it's not safe for football players, for uh, volleyball players, for soccer players, for any of them. To say that they come back solely to make the athletic department money, now, now we're in a different world, like you said, Alex, a year ago. Now we're in a completely different world. And the tightrope that we've all walked is getting thinner and thinner. So to me, that's, that's the big problem here is how are you, how is the SEC and the ACC and the big 12 going to sell that regular students are not safe on campus, but these football players are actually safer on campus, which they've tried to sell that, which is complete nonsense. Um, No, they want them back because much like the PAC 12, a lot of these schools over uh, overextended themselves right? Because they expect this football money to come in. So they overextend themselves. They build these crazy weight rooms because they need to then bring in recruits and then they need to keep the ball rolling downhill. And then one season, 
could disrupt a lot of this. But whose fault is that? And, and going back to what you said about more things kind of being unpacked, you know, more roaches uh, being exposed because the carpet is now coming up. Like, how long do we want to sit here and worry about keeping those roaches covered in comparison to changing a system, reforming a system, even within sport. And obviously you and I have particular interest in this. I'm a college basketball analyst. Obviously we don't know what's going to take place as far as a college basketball season is concerned, but it's certainly going to impact me and, and influence me financially, professionally, so on and so forth. You work for NBC Sports Northwest. You've covered college football mm -hmm. since 2004. So it has an impact on you and your job and your profession and what it is that you love to do. But how long do we want to stay in this place where all the roaches aren't essentially being exposed because the carpet is now lifted rather than let's lift the carpet a bit, expose some of these roaches. But in the room over there, there's still a carpet that hasn't been lifted yet with a shit ton of roaches under them. Like, like when are we going to get to this point of saying there's some type of reformation needed. There's some type of drastic change within these systems needed. I want to hear well, what you say about that Myers. Here, here's the thought. Drastic change. I think, uh, it is exactly that. It will be drastic change. And college football will look nothing like it has looked the past 150 years. Now, some people may say that it needs to, but keep in mind, think about every sport that we know and love. What sport has the same amount of popularity and passion as a minor league, lesser product than the professional or major league equivalent, right? College basketball, other than March Madness, which is a gambling thing, really not about the popularity of the sports, more about the gambling and the, the uh, you know, filling out your pool and everything else. College basketball is nowhere near a better product or a more popular product than the NBA. So how is it minor league baseball is nowhere near a better product than major league baseball? How is it that college football has been able to stay the same in terms of passion, popularity as the NFL. It, it's because of lots of reasons, one of which is the players don't get paid. You pay the players, it turns into minor league football, and yeah, they'll still be wearing Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon helmets, but it'll be like the XFL or uh, whatever the Alliance oh, but we're Football still League. That, that's what it, and I think it, it will ruin the college football that we all know and love. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, we're still talking sort of the glossiness of this situation or the nice carpet on top of the roaches rather than mm -hmm. saying, hey, these roaches need to get exposed. So I understand the success that college football has had and not, maybe not so much because it hasn't play, paid its players, but more so be, is because not only have they not paid the players, they've been able to make shitty decisions with it on the other end, which is why we're in the position that we're in with the Pac-12, which is why mm -hmm. we're in the position that we're in with all these other conferences where, oh, now money all of a sudden is the big time issue. So my thing is, I understand the popularity of the sport, but there's no way after only not even a full year into a global pandemic, we are in this bad of a place economically and the players aren't the players aren't getting paid. So we would imagine, and we should trust that 
since the players aren't getting money, the money, the money should be going somewhere where there's some type of security in this thing. But if I'm going out to essentially do a job, it ain't no, it's no pay, it's no security that I'm at least going to be able to keep this job. And that's being exposed right now. I think we've got to acknowledge that in a real way. And we've got to really, even though it may be something that we haven't been accustomed to doing in 150 years, similar to the NBA players. We haven't seen them boycott before. We're now finally in that space where we can challenge these types of things so that, so that we essentially can try to get it right rather than do things the way we've always known and loved them to be, even though they might have necessarily been the right way. And that's all being exposed right now. And Alex, you can chime in on this too, man. Yeah, I mean, I get I get what Justin's saying and everything, but it's also absurd to say that the just because the product's going to change doesn't mean that we should pay the the people who are making us money, right? So it's like it's like if your boss asks you to come in on a Saturday or something like that, you're not making extra any extra money when you do that, right? So it's like I mean, just because the product's going to change doesn't mean that the players don't deserve money. Right. So it's because of for your entertainment value, you don't want the payers to get play, paid what they deserve. Uh, well, one, I, I disagree with the, it's what they deserve. I think there is a handful of players that probably deserve it. But for the most part, this is the argument. Pounce and I have had this a lot. Nobody believes me, but I firmly believe it's true. Here comes you want a hot take. Here we go. Here comes the hot spicy. Take. We need spice. It's scorching hot take. The value in, in college football is not in the talent and ability of the players that are playing. It is in the colors and the logos that they are wearing. You could take two different rosters, switch teams, and guess what? People are going to still cheer for their alma mater, for their home state, for their home team. It's the way, it, it, it doesn't it's have the, the same impact when you're losing. It, but but the, the value is in the logo. The value... People in the Midwest root for Michigan because of the block M, not necessarily because of the talent of the players that are wearing it. So you could take, this is my, this has been my example in terms of why I think the value McDonald's French fries are the best French fries anywhere inside of fast food. Is it because McDonald's has the best French fry chefs? No, they have the best French fries. So should they make more? No. It's just that's that's their we go to McDonald's for the fries, not the people who make the fries. We watch college football for the uniforms and for the alma mater and for our pride in usually where we come from, as opposed to the players who wear the uniform except for Justin Herbert, whom I love with all my heart. But you just talked about how the quality of college football is just on par with the NFL and how the quality of college basketball is. No, no, no. I said that the, the popularity, the quality, look, the NFL is a, is a better product. It just is. But the popularity in college football is up there because of the passions that people have for their school, for their state, and for the, the, the place that they grew up with. You don't think that would change if the quality of the actual sport went down? Absolutely, it would. No, absolutely, it would. That's why, that's why we have Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, junior college, so on and so forth. Because the bigger schools, the more recognizable schools with the better mm-hmm. product, tend to 
receive more interest, tend to receive more fandom. Like, hey, I went to Pacific University. We not getting the treatment or are we getting the support that any Pac-12 school is getting? That's for damn sure. And I can name, obviously, several more as well. But just speaking to the quality, our quality of basketball at the Division three level, while it's good in the total grand scheme of uh, a general population, if we're comparing it to Division two basketball and Division one basketball, it's a much better product up there. But as long as, but what I'm saying is, if it's a competitive, if it's competitive balance, which by the way, to me, that's the biggest reason why players don't get paid. It's not because there's a bunch of greedy people who are just sitting there with, you know, lighting cigars with $100 bills and saying we could give this to the players, but we're not. That's not. It's to, it's to create a competitive balance. It's the same reason why the NFL has a salary cap. There are NFL players that are making below their, below their market value because of the salary cap. They're not being exploited. It's just it's the way the system has to be set up so that you can have some sort of competitiveness. So if you were to take the top 50 best college football players and have them go play in the XFL and it's a worse product than division one football, but it's still competitive. I have a hunch division one football would still be more popular than say the XFL. That's true. Potentially, but I mean, it's the XFL. We're just now starting to care about that too. (laughs) I'm just saying we're talking college football. Go ahead. Because it's a hundred years or, or it's a generation, it's a lifetime of ingrained right. love of, of your alma mater or your team. But the same could be said for this country in a lot of ways. It's 400 years of love and all of the good things that America has to offer. And I definitely believe that there are some good things. But what are we still dealing with right now that has been going on for 400 years? We've got to acknowledge the shittier sides of the system system to ultimately try to clean this thing up. It's never going to be a perfect product. I'm not expecting that. But I am expecting us to at least try to trend in the right direction. But I will say this Justin we're never going to agree on that and that is okay and so to take a sharp left turn but I still think the conversation is always necessary for us to have always especially as these progressions we're now in the middle of a pandemic why wouldn't we talk about this again now and it's a huge conversation amongst these athletes as well now that we're I, I will say and I will the say social justice climate is completely different than it has been in the past I will say that my argument is way tougher in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> it, was, it was a year ago absolutely hey students stay home football players we need you to play it's not not helping my argument it's not at all i will i will admit that and you know i'll give up on that that's real that's real now let's take a sharp left turn to the tequila experiment because alex moore you have a podcast that you just released not even a week ago yet huh uh, yeah, just about a week. Just about a week ago, you released a new podcast. I don't know if this is going to be a continuous thing, especially with the pandemic, because I know that um, you your sample yep. that you had to do this entire experiment, you had it before the pandemic started. But before we even get deeper into that, because I got a few takes on it, because I've actually listened to it. You tell us about the tequila experiment, what it was all about and why we should go listen to it. Yeah, so uh, pre-pandemic, I had a bunch of my friends over for a party. Um, I bought them free alcohol for the entire night. Uh, The one thing that they had to do was they had to wear a lapel microphone the entire night as well. 
Um, and then the whole point of the party was to figure out who was drinking tequila. So everybody was drinking rum, except for two people, called them the tequila twins. Uh, they were drinking tequila. And so throughout the night, they just had to try to figure out who was the, who were the two that were drinking tequila. I collected all the audio from everybody afterwards. And uh, yeah, now it's the podcast, The Tequila Experiment. Here's, so, what, I'm curi- here's what I'm curious yeah. about is because... Uh, as the resident old guy here, I, I've been through my fair share of, of partying and there's a time in, in every person's life where they are convinced that a certain type of alcohol makes them different than other types of like, oh, I can't, I can't drink tequila. It just, I, it's just crazy, which yeah. I have, I've lived through it. it it's, <laughs> I don't believe that it's true, but I'm curious, Alex, yeah. in your, was this kind of a roundabout way to see if tequila was say more potent or 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 a different effect than like you said than rum oh yeah not even roundabout i mean that is the the question (laughs) question that we i was asking and you know i mean realistically what i was looking for was just something to keep a storyline building so i could create a podcast out of it and then i obviously came to that was just the number one party question that people always say Tequila gets you drunker. Tequila makes me fucked up. You know, tequila. Some people call it tequila. Exactly. So it has, to, it has this thing that's going on, you know, this kind of social dynamic that we all wanted to try to figure it out. And I was like, what better way than to, than to record an entire night? And, and I will say this, j- just for the record, because we've had our fair share of drinks together, us three. It's been a while, obviously, especially with this whole pandemic thing. But when you all last knew me uh, in, in my last drinking life, I was a Hennessy man, straight up. Like, I, I, was, I, was, I was just, just going to say, rule number one, by the way, if anybody doesn't know, I drank Hennessy with pounds one time. <laughs> I can't, nope, never again. Never again. <laughs> He had me and my old ass at a club in a VIP room with an NBA player who shall remain nameless and Pounce was on a table dancing by himself. I was having a blast. I I didn't want to dance with anybody. Hey, I'm playing it safe, man. We're in the middle of a Me Too movement. Hey, things get tricky when you're drunk. I, I at least knew that I was drunk enough where dancing on the table by myself was a lot safer than me dancing with a young lady who obviously may have been insanely intoxicated and things going really wrong. So that was responsible pounce that was dancing on the table. Irresponsible pounce. Ooh, we, we're not going to get into that. But by the way, like I said, I'm no longer a Hennessy drinker. I can drink it still, but I am a tequila guy. That's what I drink. That's what I order. That's what I do now. So with that being said, I was actually really, really into this podcast because I was trying to guess the tequila drinkers, and I'll tell you the two people that I came away with, Alex. Yeah. Stove. Yeah. Stove was the first person <laughs> that I thought was, uh, was drinking tequila. And then the other person who I thought, I don't even remember her name, but whoever was the girl on there that was drinking tequila, and she was talking about body images, and she gave the breakdown of thick, T-H-I-C-K, and thick, T-H-I-C-C, calling fake and and Kardashian and surgical thick T-H-I-C-C and natural thick just stayed T-H-I-C-K. I said, she's got to be off the tequila right now. <laughs> and uh, just to, to backpedal, I do have a friend named Stove. That is that is very true. We have yeah. 
he was actually the only person at the whole party who voted for himself. He thought that he had the tequila. Wow. He did not. He did not have the tequila. Um, yeah. And then Lorraine, um, you know, she was she was very drunk. So if you were basing your guess off of who was the drunkest, then Lorraine would have been a great guess. And that's kind of the interesting thing of the whole party was yeah. under, understanding how people were going to make their guesses. Are they going to guess based off of who's the drunkest? Are they going to try to figure it out another way? Like, uh, like Ryan, who, who tried to guess who I would pick to use the tequila because he knew that I was going to pick someone who would be funny or more or hilarious. So there's a lot of different dynamics and how people tried to figure out, you know, what was going on with who had the tequila. And I like your guesses, Pounce, too. You're, you were close. I, yeah, like I said, T-H-I-C-K versus T-H-I-C-C. I said, yeah, she got to be off that tequila. <laughs> so I had never heard that breakdown before. Like never. Have you ever heard that breakdown before, Justin? T H I C K versus T H I C C. First off, come on. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I just nod along. Like, yeah, okay, sure. T H I C C. By the way, say it again. Say that again. Justin's T H I C C thick. Am I? Yeah. Is that, is that the good one or the I'll bad let you, one? I'll let y'all have this know. moment. As long as, long as long as it's the good one. <laughs> That's know. the Kardashian one. T-H-I-C-C was the Kardashian one. And I'm not mm. saying it from me. I'm saying this is what, what was her name? Lorraine? Lorraine. This was her definition that she gave on the podcast that T-H-I-C-C, surgical thick, not natural thick, Kardashian thick is what Alex is calling you right now. Natural here's, thick here's, here's, here's keeps what the same every, It keeps its original spelling. Man, every time I hang out with both of you, uh, I you guys, I learned something new. I, I learned that I, I didn't know that thick was a whole thing. It had either. to be. Did, did had to be. You know, one I didn't or the either. other. That's why I thought I, she was off the tequila. <laughs> there you go. So now, now noted. I'm gonna find a way to use that somehow, some way in the next week. Oh, I want to hear about that. I so want to hear about that, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Ooh, I want to hear about that. <laughs> but now let's take it to uh, Justin. We used to do a yes. segment. It was called Ebony and Ivory, where we tried to fix race relations. And That's right. Talk about being ahead of our time. We were ahead of our time. We were very ahead of our time. So for those of you that never listened to the Justin and Devon show, this segment was called Ebony and Ivory, where it was basically ask a white guy, ask a black guy. So I would ask Justin a question about white people that I didn't quite know or was curious about because I'm not white and don't come from white culture. And Justin would ask me a question about black people and black culture that he may have needed some understanding on because he's not black and he doesn't come from black culture. So here we are now in a time where race is the number one topic. And I want to ask you this, Justin. I got a layup yes. of a question for you because okay. it, it got handed to me. I mean, it got handed off right to me because we had a situation going in the NBA where Montrez Harrell referred to uh, Luka Doncic as, was it a bitch-ass white boy? It was something. I believe it was. Bitch-ass white boy, yes. But it ended with white boy. So bitch-ass white boy. We'll mm -hmm. go with that for now and probably ever. But um, what are your thoughts on white boys being called white boy while playing a sport, in particular a black sport like basketball or football, where majority of the league happens to be not white? So you're now the token white boy. So the, the Montres Harrell situation, first off, let me speak for all white people. If anybody out there 
has made the equivalent of saying white boy versus some other derogatory term, uh, you're probably racist. So just it, it's 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 a way of, of pro- most whoever is kind of coming with that argument is like, well, imagine if it was the other way around. Yeah, but it wasn't, and we all know that. You want to know why we know that? Because we will all say bitch ass white boy here on this podcast, and I will not say the other word ever in any context whatsoever. So yeah. <laughs> that tells that tells the story of one being the other. The, the fact that um, any of us who have, who have been around uh, in, in a group outside of where, where we were not the, the primary uh, white people around a group of people who you weren't the majority, you've been called a white boy. Yeah. You, you have been in, in either a bad, fun, uh, complimentary. You, you've been called it. There's no power behind it. So with there's there's no power behind it. It's tr- it's trash talk. There is any person who is Caucasian who took offense to Montrez Harrell saying "bitch ass white boy" is probably racist. I like so, it. Okay. So just, so just the, nobody that I know or talk to or been around who who is not racist would look at that and go, "Oh my God, how dare he!" Like it's trash talk in basketball. Got you, got you. All right, now you return to favor. What you got for me, man? Okay, so here, first off, let me preface this because, again, this is a different time the last yeah. time we did this. <laughs> yeah, we're taking a risk so, here, but let's come on with it. Uh, nah, I'm just playing. We're good. We, we're good. So as long as we're good, we're good. I know, but and we're also that. recording this. So. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, when, when, when we came up with this idea, uh, I... I have always had all these questions and just wondered, and I figured we're friends. It's a safe place. So just know anybody who's listening to this, the question I'm asking Devon is coming from general curiosity and that on, uh, on Ebony and Ivory, it's, it's always a safe place, but Devon, I'm here. When the, the protests happened and black lives matter became, let's be a mainstream movement. Was there ever a time where you saw a sign or a Facebook post or Instagram post and you rolled your eyes and went, oh, my God, come on? Yeah. um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and and I think a lot of it had to do with, I guess, more so me knowing people that stand for something in particular. Not even just that. I would even go as far as saying, like, during this whole movement, I found out who a lot more black conservatives were that I had no idea were black conservatives. That's what I think surprised me the most. Um, Not to say that it's anything wrong with them. Obviously that's not where I stand. Like we don't stand on the same side of the fence. So we can be clear about that there. But I think it was a lot of people who were trying to support black lives matter. And then in doing so, because it was more so of a hype and a trend, you actually found out, what side of the game that they actually were on. And that was the part to me that was like most interesting about it was we kind of were able to do somewhat of a social experiment on where a lot more people stood politically, not even that I cared where they stood politically, but it just kind of was a natural thing that again fell into my lap because everybody's talking politics now. Nobody is at work. Nobody has a job. 
everybody is trying to figure out a way to get paid and we got social media. So it's like, hmm, maybe my opinion can get me paid these days because I'm seeing influencers and all these different people doing all these different things, especially during a hot time like this right now. So yeah, I think it was just more so seeing the side people actually stood on because whether they supported Black Lives Matter or didn't support Black Lives Matter, they never exposed themselves to this extent because we never been in a time like this before. So that was the main thing for me. Um, as far as the Black Lives Matter thing, like I don't really care about kind of the logistics of it as far as the organization and this and that and yada, yada, yada. But I do think, you know, people that are trying to make Black Lives, more, Black Lives Matter more complex than what it is, they're kind of a joke to me too. Like, oh, why, why not talk about the black on black crime that's happening in the hood instead? Like, come on. Is that on, your white guy voice? I, no, it was just a voice that wasn't mine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you hear a lot of that. And this is coming from black people, by the way. Like, this was black people that were coming out who listened to all the hood music, who hang out on the block, who kind of perpetuate this lifestyle, even though they probably may have never killed nobody, but they perpetuate this lifestyle in so many other areas of their life. And now when we get in this moment of saying Black Lives Matter because Black people are being killed by the police and being killed by white men, all of a sudden you want to flip that narrative and create it into a Black-on-Black -black crime thing, which is kind of trash to me. So that's the other take there. So... That's Ebony and Ivory, ladies and gentlemen. Alex, I know you Wait, got. I, 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 I have one more real quick one, though. I'm here I, I for it. Ask, yeah. uh, because I, I'm assuming you have been over the last couple of months a lot of people's black friend. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> how often would people reach out to you to ask permission that, it, or if this is okay, or is this okay, and being somebody's black friend? I think it has, I mean, I will say like, I've gotten a lot more opportunities than I've gotten in the past since this entire George Floyd thing. Like I was on the news in London and I was on the news in Washington and I, I've, I was back on the BFT. I went back on the BFT with Jason. Yeah, yeah hadn't, been on, turn. hadn't been on there since I was an intern. But, but, and that's no knock against any of these people. Like I'm grateful for these opportunities. I spoke about it earlier. Like I don't mind people capturing capitalizing during this moment, especially because I feel like with the work that I've been doing, I've actually kind of prepared myself for this because I've been on this sports and politics thing, obviously with this podcast, um, some things that I went through and, and was able to do while I was in college, just a whole bunch of reasons. Like I understood why I was the guy to come to in this moment, especially knowing that so many people wanted to listen and and a lot of people trusted me when it came to this front. Um, so I don't think it's been more so of a permission thing. For me, it's been opportunities and opportunities that I've been grateful for because I am the black guy that they just so happen to trust for whatever reason that is. And hey, we're here now. Let's get it. I'll talk to I'll talk to people in Istanbul. I'll talk to people in Washington. I'll talk to the BFT crowd. I'll I, on my Street Roots podcast. You know, I had only done interviews and I went on there and just kind of did my own thing and dedicated an episode to me just making a statement about this during this particular time. So like I said, I'm grateful for the opportunities, but I don't know if these opportunities come or not, if we're not in the particular climate that we're in right now. And some of them weren't coming until we were in the climate that we're in right now. Still grateful for them though, nonetheless. So yeah, it wasn't much of a permission thing as much of it was, Hey, 
you're the black guy that I know that has done this work and you deserve this platform, especially in this particular time. Not to say that I don't in the other time, but hey, this is what is being presented right now. You want it or not? Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> and hop right on. Um, but let's get into taking L's because I think Alex has a beach date today. Um, he's going down to the beach. Hi, Alex. Going to the beach. Going to the beach. So taking L segment, this is our taking losses segment. Obviously, we are the Wake Up and Win podcast, and we try to give you winning formulas on everything that we discuss on here. Whether our formulas align or not is a different story. But we're going to try to get you in position to where you can feel like you are a winner with whatever it is that we have to say if you decide to use it in other spaces, places, and things of that sort. But now, with the Take an L segment, we got to talk about a subject that took a loss this week because they did something embarrassingly bad, stupid, negative, however you want to take it. Um, so, Alex, I will give you the floor to get us started. Do you have a subject that took an L this week? I do. Um, and it's not surprisingly the CDC. Um, they took a big L this week uh, because they changed the guidelines for when you should get uh, tested for COVID and they changed it to so you don't have to get tested if you come in contact with someone who has it, which makes absolutely no sense. Like, why would you do that? You're the CDC. You are supposed to be taking the lead on all this stuff. And then the news comes out with a story that says Fauci, who's the nation's uh, leader in, in, in viruses and, and stuff of that nature, was having surgery when they changed that guideline. He was under the knife. So they changed it without the, without the lead of their head guy and changed it so you didn't have to get tested if you come in contact with this disease that has caused a worldwide pandemic. So the CDC, not necessarily the doctors and the people who are doing all the great work, but the people who changed the guidelines to say, hey, you know, we, you don't have to get tested if you come in contact with someone who has this disease that's caused a worldwide pandemic. They get my take an L for the week. Justin, fire away. Wow, he came in with the heaviness. Yes, he uh, I'm did. just gonna goof off and talk about basketball, but uh, <laughs> taking an L this week, uh, blazer derangement syndrome. Listen, I love the Blazers, and I love Damian Lillard, and I love what he did in the bubble. But to all the people who thought that the Lakers were scared of the Blazers in the first <laughs> round, and that this was the last team they would want to play, and yeah. that the clip, that the Clippers were somehow maybe throw, trying to throw the game so that the Blazers would face the Lakers because they'd have a harder time <laughs> in the first round of the playoff. It doesn't look so hot right now. Win and if they do all. resume, Dame's out of the bubble. Uh, Zach Collins, oh, get well soon, Zach. We still love you. Um, uh, by the way, I was right about Zach Collins four years ago, guys, when we talked about him. Um, but what did you say back then? I don't remember. I know. I, I remember we had an argument. Oh, you said he would be an all-star or some madness like that, the, huh? The you were right about do, that. <laughs> the show, no, but he's a starter on a playoff team. So uh, you all uh, thought he was going to be a complete bust. Either way, we don't have enough time. We're taking L's here. Uh, I didn't take an L on that one, though. But, um, but the uh, the conspiracy theorists that thought that the Clippers were th maybe trying to throw a game and that the Lakers uh, were going to have trouble with the Blazers in the first round, that's a big L. Big L in the first round. Blazers, great effort in the bubble. Damian Lillard is is elevated himself to a different level than I even thought he could elevate himself after last year's game-winning shot. I thought, boy, this is as high as it's going to be. Nope, he's even higher. He's one of the five best players in the league right now, but still doesn't have the team around him. 
and the, the Lakers were using the eight games in the bubble as preseason because they were the number one seed. Yeah. We all should have known that. Everybody freaked out. So big L for Blazer derangement syndrome and, and the Blazer conspiracy theorists. All right, all right. I like that L. I like that L. Um, I'm going to give my L today to – it's a, more of a general population type of a thing here because I am a big, big fan of Big Sean, always have been. And because he hadn't released any music in a really long time, because Big Sean uh, was going through all these different things, he had mental issues, just had a whole bunch going on. A lot of people wrote Big Sean off as arguably the best rapper in the game. And I say arguably the only person I'll put ahead of him is Kendrick Lamar. So you all have that to debate me if you'd like. But Big Sean just released a record with Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. And now everybody's back on Big Sean's you know what again. So with that being said, I want to give all the Big Sean uh, haters an L today because like I said, to me, he is not talked about on enough lists these days. And like I said, out of sight, out of mind, I get it, I understand it, but the real recognize real. And now all of a sudden people are expecting him to drop the album of the year next year. So do any of you two think they're outside of Kendrick Lamar and I guess maybe Drake, do you two think there's any rappers out there that are better than Big Sean? Go ahead, Justin, I'll let you think. Okay, well, great. <laughs> now, when you say all, like all time, right or, or are you talking I'm right talking right now. now. I'm talking right now. I'm talking right now. Well, I don't know. I don't know anybody right now. You know, look, I, I, am, I am a get off my lawn old guy my time was better <laughs> hip-hop was better in the 90s yeah. i don't like new hip-hop i've tried i just don't like it i'm sorry a handful of kendrick lamar songs i like i despise drake i don't want rappers so talking what about are their feelings you, so what are so, you listening to right now is the real question what rap hip-hop do you listen to here's the problem see now that i have apple music and so i get anything everything i want it's 90s hip-hop that's all i listen to I put on 90s throwback lists. I put some legit playlists together and I listen to 90s throwbacks. All right. What about you, Alex? You listening to anybody these days that can compete with Big Sean or not? Um, you know, I mean, I think you're absolutely spot on with the Kendrick thing. Um, my God, Childish Gamb Gambino just came out with a new album. I mean, earlier in the pandemic, I can see Pounds hating on it already. It's a very, you know, it's it could go either way. It's a controversial album, but the man's an artist. So, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily put him up there as far as bars go, but I mean, that's who I'm listening to. He's a better artist than Big Sean, yeah. but I don't think he makes better records than Big Sean. And that's rap or not. Your opinion. That's rap or not. Rap or not. Like I said, I, I think because he can do more, he can rap, he can sing. He's got crazy range. He's, he's a weirdo in a lot of ways. Um, and when I say weirdo, I mean he's just not what he's a weird. We know he's a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> he's a weirdo. <laughs> no, but but I hear he's a pretty cool dude. My cousin is actually his tour pianist, so like I've had like small conversations with my cousin about him, and she loves him to death. But obviously, he's paying the bills too, um, being you know a world renowned tour artist, and so her <laughs> being a part of that band, she might want to keep things good there. Uh, but even still, like, I, I think it's genuine what she tells me, obviously. But, yeah, he's definitely not the standard 
dude, but he's got respect and rightfully so, but he's not just the standard typical dude that you maybe wouldn't consider a weirdo. <laughs> Look, Alex and I have had this argument before too. I don't, I don't get it. I tried to watch the show Atlanta. I, oh. I didn't get it. Obviously it probably wasn't for me. So, uh, and, and all the Childish Gambino stuff, I, I, I try, but I am the least creative person. All right. Oh, I yes. take, as far as his- I take, I take things that creative people do and I give my opinion on it. Yeah. That's kind of what my skill is. So he's like, what is your skill in life? Great people do things and I comment on it. Um, so, but you can see like his brain is at a different place, but I just, yeah, it maybe is. it's above it really is. my, my comprehension. Cause I don't get it. Absolutely. Well, I'll let both of y'all come on here and talk about <laughs> your podcast and your TV shows and your Twitter handles and your, all that good stuff. Whoever wants to get started, the floor is yours. All right, I'll go ahead. Tequila Experiment is out now on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. I put on SoundCloud. I put on YouTube. It's everywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's interesting. It's, I try to do something that people haven't done before. And so I hope that people go and listen to it and want, want some more podcasts from me. So I'm at more of Alex on, on all social media, and you can follow me there. I host The Bridge on NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, I host The Bridge Podcast, which is uh, kind of our supplemental uh, interview where I do it long form. So Alex done something that no one else does. I do something that everybody else does. Uh, I get on on my podcast. I interview people. You would generally end up talking about reality TV at some point in time. Uh, But uh, so The Bridge Podcast Justin Myers, 541-M-Y-E-R-S, the proper way to spell my last name, 541, because I always represent Southern Oregon. And, and finally, I will say this to anybody who's listening. And by the way, we're, if you're still listening at this point, God bless you, because <laughs> we've been going for a while. Listen, I, I don't say this uh, uh, flippantly. This, when we hosted our show and Alex was producing it and our Bobby Bean, who's not with us today, but Bobby Bean was a part of it. There was magic there. It was a great show. No, no disrespect to anybody else who I've worked with, who you've worked with, who Alex has worked with, but there was magic there. Somebody needs to get the band back together. Yes. It needs to happen. I'm making this campaign right now. It, it needs to happen. Pounce, Myers, Alex behind the scenes. We've got to get Bobby Bean involved somewhere. We've got to get the band back together. Uh, when, when we were all locked down and, and couldn't leave and, and Pounds put out like a, a picture of when we were at the golf tournament and he made yes. Miss Oregon uncomfortable, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it, 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 it brought back, it, never did I think that a radio show that lasted six months would still, we would still be talking about but there was magic there. Yeah. People can hear it in this podcast. Absolutely. They know that it's there. That there is uh there's opportunity here. There is money to be made here. Hello. Somebody out there has the ability to get it done. And I would suggest that they do. Maybe NBC Sports Northwest. Who knows? It could possibly be. <laughs> they, ever, they ever let me back in the office. I'm doing a show uh, yeah. in my kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, no, definitely. We had a great show. And that's why, you know, it was cool. When I hit you up, Justin, I had no idea that I was going to hit Alex up. But I had just saw Alex released his podcast and 
he he messaged me and was like, yeah, man, whatever you want to get on here. We really didn't get to debate hoops because hoops are like not even a thing as of yesterday. Maybe tomorrow we'll be able to get back to hoops debates again. But he wanted to debate hoops, obviously talk about his podcast. And I'm like, man, I might as well just bring the band back together. Like I said, I made an attempt to reach out to Bobby Bean. Grateful he responded. Grateful to know he's doing well. Um, but we got Alex here with us, Justin. So thank both of you. I want to thank the both of you for joining me on here because it's only right, man. It's only right. Thank you. Justin, you look like you were about to say something. It was well, it was it was a very, very good surprise. I loved it. I loved it that we brought Alex in. Uh, I was fully anticipating debating you on all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I'd debate Alex too. You guys, <laughs> yeah. you guys double up and, and tag team against me, but that's fine. Uh, but no, uh, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to when we can all get together, have our own tequila experiment. Cause it sounds like Pounce is a tequila guy now. Um, but we have to do it early in the day because I go to bed at 10 o'clock. Day so, fade, baby. You uh, know, that's been the vibe since day one. <laughs> since you, I- call, you call it a day fade. <laughs> I call it normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this this 10 o'clock bar curfew not affecting me at all all right look i got one more last random question for the both of you all right just random we don't have to even dig too deep into it but have any of you two talked to lars larson since all of us left the place that we were formerly employed sadly no i check his twitter every once in a while to get upset but that's about it <laughs> Again, that that's a whole. Listen, can I tease? We're, we're I one. I I threw out the campaign. I'm going to tease on your podcast because I just take over. Yeah, um, go ahead. The You're next good. time we do this, we will be telling Lars Larson stories because there are yeah. some great stories from the office that we were right next to Lars Larson. Things that were that were never on air that need yeah. to be told. They do. They really do. They really do. So next time when the three of us do a podcast. Lars Larson stories. For those of you who don't know who Lars Larson is, look him up. I'm not about to promote that man on my platform. He got enough airtime here. (laughs) All right, man. Well, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. Peace.